Welcome to the Venture Capital Podcast, where there's an O in capital as in Capitol Hill, the seat of the U.S. government, the place where politicians can impact the startup industry nationwide. I'm your host, Bobby Franklin, and you're tuning in to our very first episode. We are excited to bring you a unique podcast that looks at public policy through the eyes of America's venture capitalists who are investing in the high-growth companies of tomorrow. This new show brings together VCs, policymakers, policy influencers to discuss and debate issues that affect our nation's economic future. On this episode, we're going to talk about why and how enhancing diversity will make our industry a better version of itself. Joining me for our very first episode of the Venture Capital Podcast is my colleague, Miriam Hawk the very first executive director for Venture Forward, our connected organization that is galvanizing an internal industry-facing focus on DE&I. Miriam, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Bobby. I'm excited to be here and talk more about diversity in the industry. Well, first, I think what we should probably do is help our listeners understand you know, what Venture Forward's all about and kind of how we came together to put this together. And, and I guess this is going to be a little bit different in terms of a podcast interview because I'm a bit of a participant in this as well. So you may have questions for me or you can remind me to, to share things with our listeners and I can ask questions of you. But I think it's a tag team to make sure everybody understands what we created, why we created it and what we're doing. So maybe just start us off here and, and get, give some background here. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the crux of Venture Forward really stems from the fact that our industry has lacked diversity and inclusivity for its entire history. And, you know, that's no fault of any one particular area or, or firm or, or person, but it, it really has just been how the industry has evolved over the past 50 years. And recognizing that we uh, have underrepresentation when it comes to women people of color and other marginalized communities, this industry just hasn't truly been able to capitalize and maximize returns and impact and opportunity given those blind spots that are that are being missed. And so our mission, you know, at a very core level at Venture Forward is to change that. We want to increase the diversity of all of the uh, investors to have more women, to have more people of color, and to really help take the industry to the next level of really being able to be the best version of itself to really maximize returns, maximize impact, and at the end of the day, really maximize innovation because that's really what venture capital uh, is is aiming to do as an industry overall. That's very well said. You know, I remember when you and I were talking about how we were going to get this off the ground, and as we were talking to some of the folks that gave us support to to get it off the ground, the the conversation was always around, well, wait, you have NVCA. Why, why do you need another organization? And I remember saying to many of those folks that, look, if you, if you wake up every day and you're thinking about a lot of the public policy priorities that NVCA focuses on and what's happening in Washington, D.C., it's really hard to then, you know, prioritize how you make sure the industry, as we like to say, becomes the best version of itself. And, you know, I think that's just a very important point. Under the way the IRS rules are set up, NVCA and Venture Forward are connected organizations. We're all kind of part of the same family. As I like to say, it's 
one team and two platforms. One wakes up and thinks about public policy to make sure entrepreneurs have the right rules of the road so they can go create new products and services. And the other thinks about how the industry can, can better itself, right? Yeah. And I think, Bob, you know this a lot better than I do, but the, the breadth and depth of the public policy issues that the industry is facing over the past few years and will continue to face over the next few years is, is just, it's growing. And NVCA was founded you know, almost 50 years ago. I think our, our anniversary is coming up very soon to lead advocacy and public policy efforts. And it's going to continue to do that. Those are really important elements to ensure that we have a healthy venture ecosystem and startup ecosystem. However, we recognize at the same time that there are areas that the industry can improve on, that it needs to really have long-term sustainable resources to address these uh, these issues, particular to, to diversity. And so it, it's actually a really common thing in, in D.C. for a trade association to have a, a 501c6. So in this, that case, it's NBCA, but then also have a sister organization, which is a, a 501c3. In this case, it's Venture Forward. And so together, we're sort of, you know, very complementary to one another to, to help the industry uh, in terms of its health and, and ensuring that it is making the impact it, it should be making, but just approaching it a slightly different way in terms of, you know, one focused more on advocacy and venture forward focused on really helping the industry from within to think about diversifying. And, and within that, we also are very focused on education because we know that historically venture capital has been a small industry and, and sort of concentrated in certain geographies and amongst certain people, depending on where you went to school or who you knew. And so just trying to democratize some of that education through some of our programs and really to help anyone who wants to break into this amazing industry and make an impact and has a great idea to, to just be able to uh, facilitate that a bit better is, is really our goal. Let's talk just a minute about VC. Let's talk about entrepreneurs. Part of when we think about diversity, it's really all parts, right? Including geography. And the, the theory is that if you really look closely, there are entrepreneurs everywhere. And there are entrepreneurs that are of all genders and races and ethnicities and backgrounds and orientations and all that kind of stuff located all over the country. And we know, because we put out data about this, that a lot of funding typically goes to just a few geographies. And, and we're trying hard to make a difference and make sure that that gets spread out across the country. But just having money in different places is not enough, right? I mean, you, you actually, because we all have unconscious bias and we've gone through unconscious bias training a number of times, what we know is that check writers are probably more likely to write checks into people that look like them or people that live close to where they are, particularly if you're kind of early stage, angel investing, seed investing, things like that. You want to be close to those entrepreneurs in their first efforts at building a new product and service. So, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about the way we think about it from the venture forward perspective and how we really are, are leaning on the diversity angle. Our goal since the beginning has really to been approach diversity through an intersectional lens. And, and what that means is it's recognizing that an individual can belong to 
or be part of multiple underrepresented demographics. And the barriers or the challenges that one might face from coming from maybe multiple demographics, underrepresented demographics, can just inherently produce more challenges to entering the industry. And so what do I mean by that? I, I, I think a good example is if a white woman trying to raise a fund in the Bay Area is going to face a, a unique set of challenges than, say, a black woman in the, in the Midwest. And so we really want to recognize that uh, sort of the elements that you mentioned, you know, gender, race, ethnicity, uh, geography, these are all elements that we, we want to ensure that we're being more inclusive to provide opportunities for, for folks from these underrepresented groups and, and backgrounds to be able to access venture capital. And you, you raised a good point there, Bobby, around, you know, everyone has unconscious bias. And, and I think more so in this industry, there has been a tendency to gravitate towards who you know, people who look like you, people who went to the same school as you. And that relates to hiring or investing decisions. We've seen some data. I think um, there was a report that PitchBook put out where they found uh, female investors were twice as likely to invest in, in a female CEO. We pulled some data from Crunchbase that helped us find, I think, Black-led funds had portfolio companies led by Black founders at like a rate of four times more than, than other uh, investors. And so our theory, and, and we know this to be the true, is if we diversify the check writers and the investors in our industry, it's going to lead to a more diverse set of entrepreneurs raising capital. And that's why our focus really has been around the investors in, in our work. And that part of it is that NVCA has those really great relationships with firms and has established that connection uh, through the, the advocacy and public policy side to help us sort of leverage those connections and, and really focus and double down on, on diversifying investors. Well, one of the first things we did, and this was even before we launched Venture Forward, we took the old adage that you can't improve what you don't measure. And uh, a lot of studies when I came to the industry in 2013 were really, as you, if you peel back the onion, it was an intern going to look at pictures on websites. And I never thought that was a, a very uh, reliable data source and, and a lot of subjectivity there. So could you talk a little bit about what we do with the Human Capital Survey and our friends at Deloitte? Yeah, this has been a really big undertaking, and it's one of our, our primary initiatives at Venture Forward, which is to have the data to track and measure the industry's progress over time. And that's the only way we can see whether or not we are, are making progress or, or are improving. And you know, VCs are all, and companies are all about, you know, KPIs and, and tracking, you know, where we're going and, and are we doing a good job? And this is exactly what we want to reinforce with the industry as it relates to diversity. And so we uh, went down the path with Deloitte back in 2016 to do the first survey that is tracking the demographics of venture firms, collecting data on everyone who works at a firm from managing partner level all the way to you know, finance, operations, marketing, admin teams, uh, collecting data on uh, gender, race, ethnicity, age, education, graduate degrees, several different elements, uh, disability status, veteran status, et cetera. And collecting all of this at an industry level to just kind of understand, okay, where are we as an industry today? And so not surprisingly in 2016, we saw that we are not where we need to be at all. And it was a baseline to start with. And we've now refreshed the survey every two years since then. We're planning to be back out in the market this year, doing the fourth version of the survey. 
not only do we collect the demographics of, of VCs and investors, but we also actually are capturing data on how firms approach talent management and talent recruitment practices, because that's actually a leading indicator for some of those demographics. And what I mean by that is, you know, are firms even prioritizing diversity? Do they have a diversity strategy? Do they have someone on their team tasked with um, with diversity? And what we found is that most firms don't. They don't have someone. And, and we've seen some progress over the past few years where firms are prioritizing this a bit more. And our hope is that with those increases and progress, it will lead to more diversity amongst the investor base. But honestly, it's slow. It's, you know, our, as we many of us in the industry know that our industry is a very long-term uh, asset class. It takes a long time to even just know if you've been successful. And so, you know, our hope is as we go back into the market this year, we'll we'll see some progress. But, you know, just in terms of when we did the survey in 2020, 16% of investment partners were women, uh, 3% of investment partners are, are Black. Uh, I believe also 3% are, are Hispanic. And so these are uh, numbers that are sobering, but I, I think are ones that we really need to just recognize are the facts and, and we need to see what we are and can be doing about it. I like telling policymakers in Washington about Venture Forward. And one of the things I love to highlight is the education component and how we're trying to democratize access to information and education. I grew up in a little town in Arkansas, and it's not as if it was the you know backyard of Stanford in the Bay Area or the backyard of places in New York or Boston where so much of the venture capital activity happens. So it would have been really hard for me to learn about venture capital. Uh, of course, I'm dating myself in lots of ways in that regard. But talk to us about kind of the education component and, and what we created here. Well, I similarly uh, grew up actually right next door to Arkansas in Mississippi, and I had no idea what venture capital was until I moved out to the to the Bay Area in, in 2007. And if you don't know about the industry or you don't know someone in the industry, you just probably don't know about this incredible, powerful sector of our economy that doesn't get talked about much in the news. You know, if you take one biz, that one class in business school on venture capital, you probably know about it, but otherwise you, you just don't. And so we recognized this when we were launching Venture Forward and realized we have a role to play here in, in, in creating something that is democratizing access to venture education in the long term can make a huge impact. So we've created this program called BC University, and it is jointly produced with Venture Forward and NBCA, as well as at UC Berkeley. And so having a really strong academic institution partner has helped us to tackle this program from the point of view of covering really technical topics as it relates to VC, like things around finance that you just have to know in terms of how term sheets work and distributions and calculating, doing diligence on a startup and, and kind of all the, the fundamentals of investing. But where we also layer in some, some cool additional content is actually having interviews with investors really talk about, okay, that's how you're supposed to do things on paper, but this is actually how we do things day to day and how we evaluate companies and how we think about portfolio construction and follow on financings and diligencing a, a company. And so we've been really excited to see the, the interest in this program. It's been amazing to see some of the aspiring investors come through this program who reach out to us and say, hey, I just got a job at, uh, you know, so-and-so firm or, or, you know, I you really helped me break in and now I'm raising my own fund. And 
we, we started this program in 2019. We've had now nine sold out cohorts. Uh, we've had about 1,500 people come through, almost 300 full scholarships that we've awarded to uh, aspiring investors from underrepresented backgrounds. And we're, we're really excited to just see we have our next cohort starting uh, you know, in, in a few weeks. And so this is a program where you know, I encourage anyone who is interested in breaking into venture to, to really check out. Or if you're an experienced VC, we're always looking for mentors or scholarship sponsors. So there's a lot to get uh, involved with. And it, it's a really great program to, to, I think, help shape the future of, uh, of our industry. That's great, Mary. And, you know, it's it's one thing to educate somebody, but as folks in the industry know, it's really hard to raise a fund. And I know one of the things that we kind of think about and talk about is how can we help somebody that has gotten smarter about what it means to be an investor and work alongside the amazing entrepreneurs to help them take their dream of building a new product or service to reality what else do we do at Venture Forward to help those folks that that have knowledge and are, are kind of ready to try to go raise a fund? Well, there's just there's a lot of inherent risk when it comes to raising a fund, and you know part of that or a lot of that is the financial risk. So if you don't come from you know wealth or you haven't maybe been a successful entrepreneur and had a big exit that you can then put towards a fund, it's just you know, that initial step of, of having the capital to take whatever your big idea is, your awesome investment thesis or your awesome network to, to be able to just get that off the ground. And we have, you know, spoken to a lot of emerging managers over the years. And I think one of the hardest parts of fundraising is just there's a lack of transparency when it comes to someone who doesn't know the industry that well to be able to go find a limited partner or like where do you even go talk to a limited partner to have a conversation about raising capital for your fund. And so we created this program through Venture Forward called LP Office Hours. And we've now held this uh, six times over the past couple of years. And the goal here is to bring together a group, uh, typically about 25 emerging managers from underrepresented backgrounds, set them up to have you know, small or short meetings with LPs in a purely educational format, but it's a, a way to just have an honest dialogue about fundraising best practices, you know, do's and don'ts for pitching to an LP, like how to reframe your, your pitch, how to think about LP communications, how should reporting work, just everything that goes into the GP and LP relationship that, again, just doesn't get talked about a lot. There's not a lot of transparency, not a lot of information out there. I think the good news is there are now, you know, additional sort of open source things that are sharing more of this. But I think LP Office Hours has provided a really unique way to be able to facilitate and convene these and curate these meetings um, in an educational format. But it's also helping some of these emerging managers connect with LPs they never, you know, would have likely had an opportunity to do so. Pre-pandemic, we used to do this program in, in different markets across the country where there was a, a local critical mass of LPs. We've done Palo Alto, Boston, LA, and DC. And during the pandemic, we've moved this to a virtual uh, format, which is actually great because we're able to reach people from more geographies around, around the country. And uh, the two ones that we've done virtually have actually been a focus on different LP types. So we did a focus on fund of funds for one of them. And then we did foundations and endowments. 
Uh, this year, we're planning to, uh, you know, hopefully try to do one in person again if, if it's um, safe to do so, and then do one virtually because I, I do think that, again, just to try to have it more accessible to more people across the country meets a lot of our um, goals as well. I think that there's a lot to be excited about with Venture Forward. I, I really am thrilled to think about where Venture Forward can help drive the industry. And I know when we started, we sort of asked ourselves, what will success look like? And for me, it was always that years from now, and I mean years from now, that we can proudly look back and clearly see the fingerprints of Venture Forward. Our hope is that there are all sorts of fingerprints from lots of different organizations that are all trying to do the same thing. We know that there are groups that are focused on certain demographics. There are groups that are focused on certain geographies. And so it, no one organization can solve this problem. It's too big. But hopefully we see the progress made and hopefully we can see the fingerprints that Venture Ford had on, on making this happen. I do believe that that's possible. Uh, Miriam, we obviously can't, this is a 501c3, we can't do this without the support of our donors. Can you tell folks where they could go and make a donation to support this great work? We are solely funded by tax-deductible donations made by individuals, as well as we have a few corporate uh, donors who we're very thankful for, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Deloitte, and Gunderson Detmer. For individual donors who, who might be interested or for VC firms who are interested in, in donating, I uh, would highly encourage you to go to ventureforward.org and check out the, the donate section. Um, we are trying to be inclusive in terms of the types of donations that we're, we accept, uh, everything from stock to donor advised fund, uh, et cetera, Venmo. Um, we're not quite there yet in terms of being able to accept carry, but if anyone uh, you know, is really interested in that option, I think we would definitely be happy to explore it. But that's really, you know, through our funders and our, our donors, that's how we're able to make the impact that we have thus far, even just being 18 months since we publicly launched in June of 2020. But there's so much more that we, we as an industry need to be doing and we as an organization can be doing to help drive progress faster and have it, you know, just touch more people. And, and so, you know, with that, I, I think I would highly encourage anyone who's cares about their legacy, cares about the future of the industry to, to really consider uh, making a donation. Any, any size helps. Well, I appreciate you making that point. And again, ventureforward.org. And there's a nice big donate button at the top of there. So it's very easy to, to find out how to do so. But don't forget, Miriam talked about other ways that people can be supportive here. We're looking for mentors to help the folks that are trying to get into the industry. Donate a little bit of your time and help the next generation of folks enter this great industry and be there to support the wonderful entrepreneurs that are all across our land. Miriam Hawk, thank you so much for joining us today on Venture Capital. And let me just take a, a personal note to say thank you for all the work you put in to Venture Forward to get this off the ground. You're its founding executive director it has so much to accomplish, and I know under your wonderful leadership, we will get there. Thank you, Miriam. Thanks so much for having me. I look forward to sharing more progress uh, next time uh, I'm around. Before we go to our next segment, I wanted to share some exciting data we recently released. 
NVCA, Venture Forward, and the University of North Carolina Keenan Institute of Private Enterprise conducted a study on employment at VC-backed companies, and we found that employment at VC-backed companies grew nearly 1,000% from 1990 to 2020. That's eight times compared to non-VC-backed companies. The report also finds that over 62% of employment at VC-backed companies is located outside the states of California, Massachusetts, and New York, meaning VCs are impacting economies in all 50 states. Resiliency is another striking attribute of venture-backed jobs we found in our report. During the Great Recession, annual private sector job growth decreased by more than 4%, while job growth at VC-backed companies increased 4% during the same period. When it comes to VC-backed companies, the data shows without a doubt, they are the MVPs of American business. Policymakers in Washington should recognize the importance of America's startup ecosystem and encourage more VC investment to benefit the overall U.S. economy and ensure the country remains competitive in the global race for innovation. We also want to let you know about some great events we are doing. On March 30th, we are holding a webinar on how to build forecasts and communicate them to LPs effectively. In partnership with our friends at Diligent Equity, we will discuss how VCs handle fund modeling and effectively communicate their analysis to their LPs. Please visit our website, nvca.org, to register for that event. And on June 2nd, we are holding our annual Leadership Gala in San Francisco, where we meet in person and celebrate the venture industry. We honor those who have made significant contributions to foster innovation, advance technology, and drive new company formation. I hope you'll join us. Please go to nvca.org to register for the gala. Now let's move on to our next segment, which features a rising star who has made a big impact in venture in a very short time. Megan Loist founded Gen Z VCs a global community empowering the next generation of leaders in venture capital. She has grown Gen Z VC to more than 12,000 members since November 2020. Her Gen Z VC summit included 3,000-plus attendees from 71 countries. The group's mentorship program includes more than 200 mentees, 41% of whom identify as people of color and 31% women. She is also the youngest investor at Lair Hippo, where she has sourced and helped lead three investments, working with 12 portfolio companies. I started in venture last September, so September 2020, at Lear Hippo. I was the youngest on my team, our first Gen Z hire. And what I realized very quickly is like, as we're meeting more and more companies that are targeting Gen Z, focused on Gen Z, I'm the target demographic for a lot of those companies. And so my perspective is very valuable. And on top of that, I didn't really know other people in this space because largely because of COVID, right? Like I was living at my parents' home at the time. I didn't know many other young people at other venture firms. And so initially I turned to Twitter to basically just make friends and meet my peers working at other firms. And that spiraled into eventually 71 conversations with my peers all over the world, Gen Z VCs in college, at college funds, angel investors, GPs who've started their own funds and people like me that are just working at, at venture funds like Lyra Hippo, for example. And then I wrote an article about it, basically recapping all of those key findings, like what are our favorite trends? What are our favorite companies? How do we think about mission-driven companies? And that was when I coined the term Gen ZVC. And 
the article just blew up, which was great. I think not many people knew that Gen Z were old enough to be doing investing. But then on top of that, everyone's curious about what the next generation is thinking and what they're interested in. And so I think because of those two forces coming together, there was just immediate interest in the things that we were doing. And so on the back heels of that, because I had already spoken to, again, 71 investors all over the world, almost every call that I did, they had the same exact question. It was like, well, who else are you meeting? Like, I also just started during COVID. I don't have any friends either. Like, I'd love to meet all the people you're meeting. And I love bringing people together. Like, in a non-COVID world, small dinner parties are like my favorite thing in the whole world. So I was like, you know what? I'll put us all in a Slack group. I'll put together a Zoom call since I know everyone and I'll think about the breakout rooms and, and whatnot. And that was how Gen ZVCs really began. It started with the article. Then I started the community, just a Slack group initially, not really intending for it to become what it is today. And people just found so much value in it in the early days. We went quickly from 30 people to 1,000 people as soon as I sort of opened up the community. And that was in a period of four days. And now, 11 months later, we're at 12,000 people. It's the largest and fastest growing community for young people in tech and VC. And on top of that, incredibly engaged. It's really become a, a real ecosystem and a movement beyond that. So it's Gen Z VCs, but it's also founders. It's students who are learning about VC for the first time. It's operators who want to start companies one day and are looking for resources. And a ton of initiatives that sort of support our mission to make VC more accessible, more transparent, and you know more welcoming, I would say, for the next generation because VC, I think, has historically been, you know, there's there's this traditional notion of what an investor looks like. It's you've had, you're farther along in your career, you have X many years of operating experience or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think we're really flipping that narrative and making, I would say, our whole industry more, more accessible in a lot of ways. That's what I try to dispel as much as possible. It's much more about having diversity of thought, right? And like when you think about building strong teams, making great investment decisions, you want to have a diverse team. And if you're investing in companies that are building, being built for Gen Z, being built for the next generation, whether it's Gen Z, Gen Alpha, after us, diversity in age is also quite important. It's like you want to have diversity in thought, diversity in race, diversity in background, and diversity in age. It's like, because I am the target customer for a lot of these companies that are being built, I can think about it from the perspective of the user, from the perspective of my two younger sisters who are even, even more Gen Z than I am. And so I think it's it's really just about having that diverse perspective around the table. What I'll say in terms of like goals for 2022, I think it's like continuing to empower Gen Zers broadly, right? It's like empowering the Gen Z perspective and Gen Z voices where Gen Z VCs serves as that platform where people are discovering VC for the first time. They're sourcing deals and getting promotions because of it. They're finding jobs. Founders are finding Gen Z and angel investors and bringing them on their cap tables. Like you see all this amazing value that's being created in the community already. And so I think what I think about next year, a big pain point still is like helping people find jobs. I think I do a lot of work with students. There are thousands of students in the community that are hungry, like want to find jobs and maybe don't feel like they have the right access or opportunities. And so I think that's like an immediate pain point that I'm focused on. But I think the, the biggest thing is just continuing to make noise, make change and do work that is impactful and meaningful in sort of creating opportunity for Gen Z. And impactful she is. Did we mention she is also on the Forbes 30 Under 30 VC 2022 list? Keep up the great work, Megan. 
Well, that wraps up our first episode of the Venture Capital Podcast. Thank you for listening. But before we gavel out, here's a fun fact. For those of you who love Star Wars, Darth Vader actually adorns the National Cathedral here in Washington, D.C. This iconic building has many gargoyles, and one of them is the sculpted head of Darth Vader. Bring binoculars and check him out on the Northwest Tower the next time you are in town. Again, thank you for listening to the new Venture Capital Podcast. We are excited to bring you this show because investing in tomorrow starts with smart policies today. I'm your host, Bobby Franklin. Stay safe and be well.